a little bit there. Right. A wobbly leg. Can anybody see that? Have a just see. Yep. Brilliant. Right. Well, it's. Uh, well, I need that as well, mate. I'm going to have to swap. I need my hands free to do, do something. You see, uh, I forgot to get the uh, jawbone mic, unfortunately. So, thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to be here. I've uh, just had a week at Centre Parks at Woburn. Uh, at Woburn with my family and my grandchildren. Absolutely fantastic. Felt really relaxed for the first day. And then I need a week's holiday to recover. Come on, Grandad, down the slides and yeah, back into the spaddling pool. And yeah, come on, Grandad, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Really, really enjoyed it. I feel shattered. Uh, but uh, it's great to, to be here tonight. Are, are you feeling good yourself? Good. I'm glad one or two are. Right. Well, it's my pleasure to be able to speak on integrity. Christian and Phil asked me to uh, speak on integrity. If you were at uh, Ilkeston this morning, you'd have heard Josh speak on integrity. Brilliant message. If you, if you weren't there, then I really advise that you'd go on the website and listen to the podcast. It's amazing how God just begins to weave things through, how this Stand and Shine series, people are speaking on a theme but coming at it from different angles, and how God just interweaves His Holy Spirit through each message. So it builds like a building block. It's amazing. And so I've been asked to speak on integrity, but I'm going to start with a few questions. What is integrity? Is integrity an illusion? Can a man and woman have real integrity? answer some of these questions. But first of all, let me ask you, what do you think integrity means to you? And I want you to shout out some answers, because it's a word that is banded about very, uh, very often, but what does integrity mean to you? So shout out. I'm switched on. <laughs> honesty, honesty, that's a good one. Yes. Is it just honesty? Doing the right thing. Sorry, what was that? Keeping your words. Yeah. Yeah, what else? Loyal. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Anything else? Trusting. I'll just put trust, yep. Anything else? Okay, what about peace? What about love? What about joy? Gentleness. Kindness. Self-control. Of course, those of us who are Christians know that that is the fruit of the Spirit. All those words are correct. I won't argue with any of those words. But how on this earth do we adhere to stick to these principles? How on this earth, this corrupt, broken earth, can we even hope to adhere and stick to these principles? Chuck um, Swindle is a, an American pastor and writer and author, and he tells a true story 
uh, what happened some time ago to a, a guy who was a, a member of his congregation. He was a manager of a fast food place, a chicken fast food place. And he says one day, there he is, uh, he's collecting up the money from the tills to do a stock check. And he's collecting the money up from the tills. And unfortunately, he'd forgotten his briefcase. So he put it in a bucket, you know, the wax paper bucket that you get for, you know, the, the party pack. And he puts the first amount from the till into this bucket. Unknown to him, a man and woman had just come round in the drive-thru and had paid for a bucket of chicken. Goes to the next stage. He's walking down with this bucket with over $800 in. He puts it down because his phone rings. And he answers the phone. It's just a mundane call from head office. The person who's on the till sees the, 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 the bucket of chicken and hands it to this man and woman. And they drive off. The manager finishes uh, his phone call, looks around. Ah, where's, where, 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 where's the money? What money? I thought it was chicken. I've, I've just served it to that man and woman who came in to drop. Oh, no. I can't. What am I going to do? I can't believe it. Did, did anybody get the registration number? No. no right. Look at CCTV. You look on CCTV, and they've just got a partial number. They haven't got a full number. Oh, no, what am I going to do? I'm going to end up getting sacked, or the least I'm going to have to do is pay it back out of my wages. A few minutes later, the man and woman pulls up into the car park, and the man walks in with this bucket of chicken and says, I think there's a mistake here. I ain't got no chicken. All I've got is all this money, and hands it back to the manager. And the manager says, wow, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You do not know what this means to me. I've got all this money back. Thank you so much. You must be the most honest man in town. Would you agree that this man showed integrity? This is what the manager thought. He said, can I take your photograph? Because I want to put it in the local paper and, and have a title, the most honest man in town. It would be good for us. It would be good for you. I think it would just be brilliant. And he says, no, 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 no. I don't have any force. He says, no, no, please, let me take your photograph. I want to put it in the, in the local paper and make a big splash, the most honest man in town. He says, no, no, please. He took him to one side. He said, you don't understand. The woman I'm with is not my wife. Now, would you say who is a man of integrity? You see, the problem with integrity is it encompasses a lot of things. It encompasses a lot of things. The word in Latin for integrity means to integrate, to be complete, a wholeness. You can't have one facet, honesty, without having everything else. Another question for you. What's the, the man-made object that can be seen from the space station? The only man-made object on this earth that can be seen from the Great Wall of China. The Great Wall of China. Very true. The wall that took the ancient Chinese years and years to build to hold off the invasions from the barbaric hordes from the north. I'm not talking about the Geordies. I'm talking about the barbaric... Please, please, no, don't let's go there. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the barbaric north, hordes from the north. And it covers hundreds and hundreds of miles. They built this wall so, so thick you couldn't break through it. So long 
you can't go round it. So high, you can't get over it. Oh, wonderful wall. No. But did you know that in the first 100 years that the Great Wall of China was completed, China was invaded three times. So how did they get through the wall? They couldn't go around it. They couldn't go over it. Invaded three times. All they did was simply bribe the guards on the gates. And they just simply walked through. You see, you can't protect the heart of man. We can try and build walls around society. We can put CCTV on every corner. We can pass strict laws. But how do you deal with a man's heart attitude? So how can we have integrity in our lives? Is it just an illusion? Is it a pipe dream? Or can we grow in integrity? Can integrity be taught or caught? Well, I believe that we can learn about integrity, but who do we look to? Do we look to the politicians? <laughs> do we look to mankind? Who, who can teach us about integrity? If we look to man, we'll be sadly disappointed. All we have to do is just turn on the television, look at the newspapers, just to see the next scandal that takes place. People who once was trusted, whose word was once listened to and acted upon. Charity worker, raising millions and millions of pounds. He raised so much money, he was even knighted. Sir Jimmy Savile. What charity work he did for Stoke Mandeville Hospital. And yet, because of a heart attack, because of the integrity was not there, all that work now means nothing. It is forgotten, wiped out. A heart attack, an attack on the heart of integrity. Everything that mankind has stood for means nothing. So where do we look for help? Where do we look for guidance, for training in integrity? Well, there can only be one place. Yes, Vicky, the Bible. Now, I'm just going to ask for a volunteer. Could I just have a vol ask for a volunteer? Just come and stand and help me uh, before I pick on somebody. Just, just one volunteer. You're not going to have to say anything. Come on, Andy. Brilliant. Good over, Andy. Just come and stand here, mate. And I want you to put your hands together as though you're going to say a prayer like you do, you know, that's it. But I want you to leave the top of your hands open. So I'm going to put some, something inside here. I want then to close it up so it doesn't fall out. Okay. So I'm going to have to go onto this mic now and do this because obviously my hands are going to be full. Are you watching? Uh, am I on? Are you watching closely? Here we have the Bible. An incredible book. The Bible was written over a 1,600-year period by approximately 40 men. It was the first book ever printed, and it is still the world's best seller. It has been translated in over 2,118 languages, with countless more partial translations. I will argue that the Bible is a book of integrity. But over the last 2,000 years, many people have tried to destroy the Bible. 
people say, well, it's not relevant in today's society. People say, well, it's written by man, not by God, so how can it have any effect on this life here and now? People have tried to rubbish it. Even governments have sought to destroy the Bible. Scholars, intellectuals, even theologians have poured over every verse seeking a way to disprove its divine inspiration. Voltaire, a French writer, once said that within 100 years of his time, Christianity would be swept away from existence and pass into obscurity of history. Yet 50 years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society used his house and his printing press to print loads and loads of Bibles. This is now nearly 120 years ago that his deadline has passed and the word of God is still going strong. Dan Brown's novel, The Da Vinci Code, what a, what a fuss that made when it first came out, claims that the Bible is full of errors. Well, I, I saw the film and I read the book, and it's not a bad read, it's not a bad film, but it's not true. It, it only took investigators just a few hours to show that the, the writings, Brown's writings, are totally based on, on a collection of fraudulent views of history. C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, here was a man who had graduated from Oxford with triple first-class honours in classics, philosophy and English and had, had then become one of the greatest British academics of his generation. He wasn't a dumbo. This man was sharp. Yet he made the journey from atheism to Christianity because the integrity of the Bible stood up to its intense scrutiny. He took it page by page, verse by verse, trying to disprove the integrity of the Bible and came round and said, this Bible has got to be true and changed his life. Now, who noticed how many times I ripped up that piece of paper? Can you just count the pieces of paper in your hand? Done that. It's a miracle. Thanks. Give a round of applause. Thank you. Wow. It must be. It must be a miracle. Of course, it's not a miracle. It's just a simple illusion. But it just shows you how how easy it is that we can sometimes be distracted and be led down a wrong path. There's a saying amongst some older Christians, if it ain't in the Bible, Sonny, it ain't true. Well, I tend to agree with that. And so here we're going to have a look at what the Word says, what the Bible says about integrity. We're going to look at a guy who exemplified integrity. We're going to look at the, uh, in the Bible about a young man called Joseph. Now, many of you will know the story. If you don't know it, you can read it in Genesis chapter 37. I haven't time to read it all, so I'm going to briefly explain the story. Joseph was just a young lad, 17-year-old. 
Wow, 17-year-old. I remember being 17 once, just. And uh, here he was living in Canaan with his father Jacob, who had given him a coat because he loved him. Joseph, who believed in God, had a dream that his older brothers would one day bow down in front of him. And when he shared this God-given dream to his brothers, they became so jealous and angry, they decided they were going to have to murder him throw his body in a deep pit. But some slave traders passed by and they decided to sell him as a slave. They killed a goat and put the blood on the coat and took it back to Jacob, his father, and said, this is Joseph's coat. He's been killed by wild animals. And so there we have Joseph wound up in Potiphar's house in Egypt, a man of distinction where Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And this is where we're going to take up the story. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 39, verses 7 to 10. And this is what it says. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and, they said, lie, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has not committed all that he has, has to my hand. Therefore, there, sorry, there is no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this wickedness and sin against, not Potiphar, but sin against God? The story goes on that Potiphar's wife grabs hold of Joseph's coat and Joseph runs out of the house and she basically cries rape and Joseph is thrown into jail. But it's amazing this story that Joseph wasn't primarily worried about Potiphar finding out. People who are unfaithful to their mates are usually only worried that their mate or the other person's mate will find out. They are not likely to maintain integrity as they would if they recognized that God is always watching them. And we're more concerned about him knowing what they did than someone else finding out. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Joseph wasn't worried about Potiphar finding out. He was worried about having to live with himself, knowing that God would know what he had done. So where did Joseph's integrity come from? The knowledge of God, the fear of displeasing God. How did Joseph come to the depth of integrity? Well, I believe it started to develop in the depth of the pit that he was thrown into, where his brothers stripped him of the cloak and his, his father had given him and then threw him in the pit. How Joseph's heart must have broken. His own flesh and blood. His own brothers. What must have been going through his mind? What have I done to deserve this? How can this be happening to me? You see, when your heart is under attack, you tend to do one or two things. You either let your integrity be broken and you decide to get angry, jealous, take offense, bitterness, decide to seek revenge, and then forgiveness hardens the heart, or you turn deeper into the things of God and say, well, God, I don't understand what is going on here in my dreadful circumstances but I know you are a faithful God, so please help me see what you want me to do. Help me keep my integrity intact. Joseph, a mere boy of 17, 
beaten by his brother, thrown into a pit. You can imagine him crying, crying and begging for mercy. Thought he would die and then sold into slavery. His life changed forever. You can imagine him trying to explain to the slave masters, you don't understand, I'm not a slave, I'm Jacob's son. (laughs) How the slave masters must have laughed. His pleas falling on deaf ears because the slave trader, to the slave trader, money was more important than the truth. And then Joseph, waiting for his father to come and find him and rescue him. Surely, when my father finds out what's happened, he will come and rescue me. His father had been deceived in thinking that he was dead. There would be no rescue. Being sold as a slave, the humiliation, the dawning realization that no one is looking for him, no one is coming to the rescue, and still his knowledge and love of God protects his integrity. It grows deeper and deepens even through his circumstances. He does the right thing because it is the right thing for him to do. Let me just encourage you, especially you young people here. Joseph was just a lad, a teenager, when he had a God-given dream. He knew God was real. He could feel it and sense it. He knew the dream he had been given would someday materialize. He kept his patience and his integrity, even though he went through hard times. Just a teenager who eventually became the most important man in Egypt. An incredible story. Let me tell you tonight that God has plans for your lives. I believe all of us are destined to do great things for God, but will only materialize if we keep guarding our heart of integrity. I can guarantee you, you will be challenged. (laughs) I can guarantee that. I can can guarantee you will make mistakes at times. I know Phil and Christian and, and myself and the rest of leaders will say, yeah, at times we've said and done things that we wished we hadn't. We've made mistakes at times. But we've learned over the years to quickly say sorry to God and quickly protect our heart of integrity by submitting ourselves, sorry, by submitting ourselves to the Word of God, choosing not to take offense, choosing not to become angry, bitter, or frustrated, but choosing to do the right thing because it is the right thing to do. God has shown us all a great example in the story of Joseph about integrity so that we don't have to go down that road, and uh, uh, that road of heartache and pain and frustration and worry. We can read about it and learn from Joseph's example and change our way of thinking and living. Martin Luther said this, If I knew the world would go to pieces tomorrow, I would still plant my apple tree and pay my debts. If no bill collector was coming after you, would you still pay your debts? If the boss is nowhere around, do you still put in eight hours work for eight hours pay? Do you work harder when the boss is watching you than you do when he's not? Do you do the right thing, even though it may cost you? Brian Davis was a golfer. I'm not much of a golfer. I'm more of a hacker. But Brian Davis was a golfer, and he was playing in the final round of his first ever professional golf association tournament at the very St. Heritage in Hilton Head, South Carolina, when on one of his backswings, he nicked just a piece of wood, 
just faintly, just moved it just slightly. As crazy as that sounds, it is a violation to move any loose ground cover, any impediment during a takeaway, during a backswing in golf. And Brian, upon noticing this slight movement during his takeaway, something that could only be seen on slow motion replay, immediately went to the PGA tournament director and told him. And it cost him a two-stroke penalty and a chance to win his first ever PGA tournament. Not only did it cost him the tournament, it hit him right in his pocket as the difference between first and second where he ended up was a mere $411,000. It cost him his first PGA championship and close to half a million dollars, all for the sake of doing the right thing. Of course, the cynic would say, well, he perhaps thought he was going to get found out, so he better own up straight away. Yet when you look at the evidence, no one else reported it. No one knew about it, only him. You could only just see it on slow motion replay. It holds much more log logic that his honor, his character, and integrity were of a much higher standard than most. His integrity would not allow him to accept anything less than truly winning the tournament. When asked why he reported, he simply said, it was the right thing to do. Couldn't live with himself otherwise. Integrity. Is it an illusion? No. No, I don't believe so. I believe we are all called to be people of integrity, but we need to understand why. Because God created us in his image. God is a God of integrity. When we understand that God has our best interest at heart, then we can begin, begin to develop and deepen our integrity and trust him more through difficult circumstances. Integrity is funny, isn't it, really? Because you can sit at home and say, yeah, I'm a man or a woman of integrity. And no one will ever know. Because it's not likely to affect anyone else that much. But when you live in this broken world and your circumstances are difficult and hard and then the choices you are seen to make by your friends, your family, your work colleagues show whether you are a person of integrity and very often doing the right thing can seem to cost. But the rewards are so much more. I remember a couple of years ago going to the cinema with Liz and we parked in a car. I was driving. Liz was in the passenger side. We parked in between cars and as she opened the door, a gust of wind, a bad gust of wind, snatched the door from her, from her hand and caved in this car. I walked around and I thought, oh my, the, the, it looked like somebody just booted in. The, it wasn't just a nick. The whole door was caved in. What should we do? I got in the car. I started the car up. I started to reverse, thinking I'll park somewhere else. Couldn't do that. I had to park. Get my notepad out, write a letter, and stick it under the window screen saying that somebody did it, want me. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, didn't, I put my name and address and contact number in. And this guy phoned me and said, thank you 
so much for actually admitting it because we would not have had a clue who'd done it. And I said, well, please get it done. Don't go through insurance. I'll pay for it. And it cost me £250. £250 that I didn't have, really. You know, I can't afford to give away £250. But my integrity was intact. I just couldn't live with just driving away and parking somewhere else and then him come to find that his car had been vandalized, <laughs> the door had been smashed in. You see, Jesus is the perfect example of a man of integrity. After he was baptized, he went into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and nights, during which time Satan came to him at his weakest to try and break his integrity and corrupt him. Jesus was a holy man and holy God at the same time, and he was tempted in every way that we are, yet he never sinned. I suppose that is the ultimate definition of integrity. He's the only one who was without blemish, perfect, completely truthful, and always looking to do good works. As sinful human beings, our integrity is often flawed. But Jesus' integrity is perfect. So when we are in Christ, when we become so close to him, when we have that relationship with him, because we read his word, because we pray and have a close relationship, we partake of his divine nature. In effect, we clothe ourselves. We put on his integrity. Christian last week shared from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that new nature is one of integrity because it is his nature. So let me quickly just recap. Integrity is disciplined behavior. Every day we make choices. What to do, how to live. Our lives must reflect the heart of Jesus. We are what we choose, and our behavior is a result of choice. If we choose to continually watch films that war against the things of God, films about the supernatural, the demonic, evil, sex, etc., then don't be surprised when your heart of integrity is compromised. I'm not saying never watch films. I'm not saying never go to the cinema. I'm not saying never play on Xbox. But you know some of the games available war against the things of God. You don't need me to explain any more than that. You know. So be careful that you don't become deceived in thinking that by doing these things and never being disciplined in reading the Bible, praying and sharing in fellowship, that everything will be all right. Because sooner or later... Your heart of integrity will be challenged. And the danger is that it starts to be chipped away at. Slowly but surely. Getting weaker and weaker till it starts to crumble and decay. So integrity is determined behavior. The key to integrity is to determine a sense of inner behavior and belief that does not give way to the pressures of this age. Believe and strive for the highest behavior rather than the lowest. Strive to be the best person you can be rather than the worst. Look for the excellent rather than the mediocre. Be determined to stand up and shine and say, in Christ, I'm taking charge of my behavior 
I'm not going to bend to the temptation and frustrations of this world. We need to study his word so that we can say and repeat to ourselves, 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Integrity is demonstrated behavior. Integrity is a lifestyle characterized by the indwelling of God's Word. It should be a shared experience. Integrity should be demonstrated and modeled so those around us are influenced by our integrity. Albert Schweitzer once said, example is not the main thing in influencing others. It is the only thing. Perhaps the reality of integrity is best illustrated in the life of Eric Little. Can you remember that story, Chariots of Fire? Most people will, will, will know Eric Little through the Chariots of Fire story where he decided he could not run on a Sunday in the Olympic Games. So he decided to enter another race where he won a gold medal in the 1924 Olympics. And most people remember him for having that integrity. That's what he stood for. A lot of people don't realize is that afterwards he went as a missionary to China and became a teacher. And during World War II, the Japanese invaded. And he was put into a prison camp as an enemy national. And in 1943, he was confined in a prison camp 100 by 200 yards with a thousand other so-called nationalist enemies. And there he set up and organized athletic events, conducted worship services, preached the gospel to which many responded in faith, counseled people and comforted the sick and dying. He determined, his determined influence is reflected in the writings of David Mitchell, who was a child in the camp and saw what Eric Little was doing. And Mitchell writes this, none of us will ever forget this man who was totally committed to putting God first. A man whose hum, humble life combined muscular Christianity with a radiant godliness. In 1945, Eric Little died of a brain tumor in that prison camp. The little story gives us insight into the meaning of integrity. And he articulated that integrity in a Christian manual that gives four tests by which we are to measure ourselves. Number one, am I truthful? Are there any conditions under which I will tell a lie? Can I be depended on to tell the truth, no matter what the cost? Number two, am I honest? Can I be trusted in money matters, in my work, even when no one is looking? With, can I be trusted with other people's reputations? Do I gossip? Do I rationalize and become defensive? Number three, am I pure? Am I pure in my habits, in my thought life, in my motives, in my relationships with the opposite sex. Number four, am I selfish in the demands I make on my family, spouse, or associates? Am I badly balanced, full of moods, cold today, warm tomorrow? Do I indulge in nerves that spoil my happiness and those of those around me? Eric Little was a man of integrity because he had the heart Jesus Christ. Integrity 
in this world is it an illusion? No. Integrity is a means by which we can show the world that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the Messiah. We must be determined to be disciplined enough to be determined to display and demonstrate his love to the world through our integrity. Would you just come up and play something for us, Andy, and the team? I don't know where people are where to this evening, what kind of background you've come from, whether your background has not been one of integrity but one of lying and cheating and, and elbowing people out of the way because that's the way that the world says you get ahead. I don't know whether you've come from a church where integrity was never really taught or preached about because in the church that you used to go to, there's perhaps gossiping and all kinds of things happening and taking place. I read the church will fight. I read the church will fight. I don't know what's going in and going through your lives. But tonight you could change. Tonight you could turn around and say, I want to be a person of integrity. I want God to protect my heart of integrity. Tonight could be the first time in your life where you make a stand and say, I want to stand and shine for Jesus. I want to stand and shine because I want that heart of integrity. I know, I know I've lived a life where my integrity has just crumbled at times. And so now I just like to invite everyone just to close their eyes and just 